Welcome to the D-Shift Podcast, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you transition from the challenges of divorce to discover the freedom and ability to live life on your own terms. Are you ready? Let's get this shift started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the D-Shift Podcast. And we have a really interesting guest on today. Maria Rieger is a corporate and banking attorney who is also an amazing author and a parenting expert with a real focus on helping parents who maybe didn't have great parents to become better than better parent better than they were parented. So Maria, welcome to the show. Thank you, Marty. I'm really excited to be here. I love your podcast. Oh, thank you. And I I find what you do is fascinating. We had a bit of a chat before this a couple of weeks ago. And so tell us a little bit how you went from being a corporate and banking attorney. I, did I say that? I said that wrong. That's in the right. Year, didn't I? I apologize. You're corporate and banking <laughs> attorney. How did you turn from that to becoming a parenting expert? Um, okay. I'll, uh, I could potentially be a long-winded answer, so I'm going to try to keep it brief. Uh, when I, so I, um, had my son while I was in law school. It was not planned that way. That's just what happened. And um, in parenting him, I I started to notice, especially when he was around four or five, I started to notice that I was um, not being the parent I wanted to be. And I was repeating a lot of negative patterns uh, that from my own childhood. And, um, you know, I won't go too in detail about it, but, um, you know, I had, there was a lot of childhood trauma and emotional abuse and neglect in my household growing up. And that was very difficult. And I did not even realize the extent of it because I didn't have anything else to compare it to. And yeah, the relationship of the parents and the relationship of the parents to the children, that's the relationship model that kids bring into their adult lives. So I thought that was normal. And I thought, um, I didn't really have anything healthy to compare it to, but in summary, I was repeating a lot of the kind of negative conditions and negative patterns from my childhood. And I realized that not only was it affecting my bond with my, my child, but it was also very distressing for them. And I realized that, that this was actually my issue to work on. It was not about changing my kid or getting my kid to behave. It was, it was about my emotional dysregulation, which if you read, the works of you know, um, Dr. Gabor Mate about trauma and um, Bessel van der Kolk's uh, famous uh, The Body Keeps the Score. Emotional dysregulation is the hallmark of children who are unfortunately victims of caretaker abuse. That yeah. is the biggest issue they have to work on. And anyway, so in short, that kind of started my whole not only reparenting journey, but simultaneous my parenting journey, learning how to be a better parent. And that involves studying a lot of childhood development and talking to childhood therapists and and kind of a lot of trial and error. Well, this didn't work out the way I expected. And how can I improve? How can I do better next time? How can I work on these issues? So that's kind of what started that whole parenting journey. I realized that I had a ton of work to do on myself and that I was going to do it because I had to be a better parent than my parents were. So, yeah, that's kind of what started the whole journey. And in helping parents, I hear very similar stories from parents that I help that they want to do better, 
they're not sure if they're doing it right, that they want to provide their kids the emotional support and validation and radical acceptance they did not receive as kids, and they're not always sure they're getting it right. So that's kind of, those are the, the parents that I help tend to help the most, that tend to reach out to me the most, the ones that are reparenting themselves and learning to accept themselves as well as learning to accept their kids. Yeah, and I'm so, thank you for bringing up that book, The Body Keeps the Score. That's a fantastic book. If you, It's an old book, but it's it's a fantastic one. So Great. Yeah. Talk a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, too. I know you're an author as well, and I'm always interested about how people get involved in writing. Although that's not really part of this podcast. It's just a personal <laughs> question. So I'm going to ask, because it's my podcast, and I want to ask the question, damn it, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how you got involved in writing, because it, I think you started writing at a very young age, if I remember yes. our conversation right. Yes. So you had a really difficult home environment, I'm hearing. How did, did writing play a part in that, or, or was it? Definitely. So I've always been a big reader, and that was my favorite thing to do. And when I was a kid, I'm a Gen Xer, I'm in my 40s. You know, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have online gaming. I had an old Nintendo 64. So we had very little to do when I grew up in uh, rural Virginia. So I was always a big reader. That was my big source of escapism. And I started to write my own stories just for fun when I was about 12 or 13, just to write. And that kind of continued into adulthood. And at some point, uh, at some point when I was an adult, I had so many stories in my head. I thought, I'm just going to write them down. And it turned out uh, that I had enough for a novel, that I had enough for a series, that I had more ideas for more books. It's kind of like the floodgates open, right? You have one idea for the book. Then you have another idea for other books and things just kind of flow from there. So I've, I've written and self-published a bunch of fiction novels, which I enjoy writing fiction because that allows me to exercise my creative spirit that my day job doesn't necessarily uh, encourage. I can't really get that creative output from or outlet yeah. from my day job. Yeah, so, attorney, um, attorney work isn't terribly creative. <laughs> they don't really not, look upon creativity as But the corporate work that I do is enough. <laughs> and I enjoy my day job. I'm not saying I don't. It's just it's just different, right? Sure. So, um, so right. So that's kind of how I started get uh, as a writer, as an author. And from there, I, I started uh, branching out and writing some self um, or self-publishing nonfiction books. I've written a couple nonfiction books on self-publishing, on legal issues, specifically for independent authors, self-published authors, and a couple parenting books. And I got really good feedback from, from people that read the parenting books, especially uh, even from adults who didn't have kids, telling me that they felt very validated from reading the books. And that's very gratifying to me that that's helpful. So um, because it's always helpful to talk to people that have had similar childhood experiences as you, it makes you feel less alone in the world, sure, right? That sure. you're not the only person with this this experience. So, right, that's how I got right started with uh, with writing. Okay, and I'm glad to hear you've written the parenting books. And I'm, so I'm going to ask you here. Sometimes I ask that, this at the end, but since we're talking about it, would you mind sharing the titles of your parenting books if people want to um, actually, you know, get off the podcast and learn yeah. a little more about your philosophy and your methods? Sure. So I incorporate a lot of spirituality in my parenting books, and I've got two books out now, uh, Your Scorpio Child and Your Gemini Child. And they are positive parenting books geared for parents of kids with those particular energies. So I also practice astrology and incorporate that into my spiritual work. And I found that, um, may sound crazy, but I found that in studying astrology and the birth chart, that's actually a really 
helpful modality for self-knowledge and especially adults who are reparenting and maybe out of touch with their authentic selves. That's a really good way to kind of um, learn more about themselves as a person, as opposed to the type of the person that they were forced to be growing up to be accepted. Right. right. So it's a, it's a really excellent modality together with a bunch of different modalities, uh, psychotherapy, EMDR, all those other things. Um, but it is a great spiritual mo modality for parents to learn about themselves and to learn about their older kids and also emphasize that your child has a different different energies from you, a different birth chart from you. They are a, a different separate entity, separate sovereign beings, not extension of the parents, right? right. So that reinforces that idea, which is consistent with your conscious parenting. Yeah, and I'm going to go back to something you spoke about earlier Is in that really your focus is on parents and your focus was to change yourself and not say my kids got a problem they're not fitting in this box that i think they should be how did you come to that sense of of that that was the correct way to do it because so many of the parenting books focus on how to change kids right. as opposed to how to accept kids and change and full disclosure i used to be a behavior consultant in schools and i used to fight with teachers about this this child is not going to behave in the classroom like all these other kids. So right. you as the adult, you're going to have to make some accommodations. Why are adults so against that whole concept of adjusting? Um, that's a great question. Why are they against the whole concept of adjusting? I Sometimes I think it's because they, they just don't. That's how they were treated as kids. And that's what they know. Right. right. And also on some level, it may be, especially for younger kids, not so easy for adolescents and teenagers, but especially for younger kids, it's quote unquote, can be easier to get them to comply with carrots and sticks and things like that. It's easier for the parent. It's easier for the parent or the teacher to control behavior and punish bad, with air quotes here, bad behavior, right? right. Or not acceptable behavior to get through, for example, in school, get through the material or at home, make the parent's life easier. But that's really disempowering the kids. I, I have a lot to say about this. I'll try to keep it brief because I know we have a time limit. But um, I don't believe in teaching kids blind obedience or blind compliance. That creates a whole host of problems when the kids become adults, including poor boundaries, uh, codependence, the inability to say no, the feeling that they don't have a voice, that they have to do what the other person wants, even if it's against their best interest because they were taught to obey especially taught to obey authority. It's a big issue I have. If you're taught to just blindly comply with authority as a kid, that's how you're going to behave as an adult. And sometimes you're going to act against your own best interest. So instead of that, I encourage parents to cultivate healthy relationships and connection and attachment with the kids, right? Form this close relationship where the kids trust the parent. The kids know the parent has their back. The parent I always say this is the last defense between the child and the outside world that the, the kids have to know the parent will defend them, has their back. Parent is trustworthy. Right. Right. And um, the parent accepts them. And when they know all that and have that trust, they'll naturally want to cooperate because of the relationship, not because not to avoid punishment. Now, you may get a kid to comply to avoid punishment. And I've had parents tell me before, well, you say this isn't a healthy way to interact, but it works. I get the result I want. And I, I say, just because you're getting compliance does not mean what you're doing is going to be emotionally or mentally or psychologically healthy for the child. 
Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I, you know, kids do all kinds of things to avoid or don't do things to avoid punishment. It doesn't mean that the way the parent is handling that is emotionally healthy. Well, the thing that I always say to parents now, when I used to be a behavior consultant, I'd say this to teachers too. If you time the kid out once and that corrects the problem, that was a good use. If you have to time the child out a second time for the same thing, timeout isn't working. <laughs> Hello, right. if it was working, it would have worked the first time. And when I see, when I hear parents, you know, when I used to hear parents say, I, I, you know, I've tried 20 different ways to help my kids to do their homework on time. Well, then maybe we need to look at the 25th or the 26th or the 27th. You can't just keep doing the same old things and expecting different results, right? right? Right. And as you kind of suggested earlier, Marty, not every kid thrives in a traditional school environment. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing, too. Some kids need just a, a different alternative environment. And I'm happy to see that there are a lot of schools that offer those now. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it's tough. And, you know, parenting this way, this conscious way takes a lot of emotional labor. And if you're a parent, you know, like I am, who's working on your own healing and reparenting, and Bessel van der Kolk says this in his book, that uh, adults who have been victims of caretaker abuse, it takes them more energy to navigate life than somebody who did not have that you know, childhood abuse. Oh, sure. So it takes us more energy to do these things. Like I always tell people, I mean, parenting is tough, not in the ways you think. It takes a lot of emotional labor, right? So that's, that's I want to put that out there that I'm not saying this is easy to do. <laughs> Uh, right, but that kind of conscious parenting takes a lot of effort, and you got to be, as Gabor Mate says, attuned to the child and make sure that you are that you are responsive to the child's needs, especially as they get older, maybe a little bit more reticent to talk to you, right? And that you are fostering that close relationship so they feel that they can come to you. That's the other thing: is kids need to feel they can approach the parents with anything, even right. problems, right? right. Or some bad stuff that happened to them, or you know, quote unquote, bad stuff they did, they need to be able to approach the parent and know the parent will help me. There may be consequences to my actions, but my parent will help me at least help me navigate this. And that's what I was going to ask you because I'm, I hear a lot of times people talk about positive parenting and it's like the kids run the show. There's no consequences. Yeah. You know, they stay up till two o'clock in the morning or they play, you know, they watch whatever horror shows I'm, right. you know, or whatever they want to right. do on TV. And that's not what you're talking about, are you? That's exactly right. Yeah, and it's interesting you brought this up because I read an article recently and it was criticizing positive parenting, but the parenting that the writer was describing in the article was helicopter parenting, being on top of the child. Do you want a snack? Do you want this? Don't do this. Do this. That's not positive parenting. Right. Positive parenting is, is focusing on, right, it's a lot of positive reinforcement because that is, studies have shown with adults, children, positive reinforcement is is um, more encouraging than negative reinforcement, right? So it is has more benefits than negative reinforcement or punishments. So it is positive reinforcement. It is also working on the attachment and making sure the attachment is strong because when the attachment is strong, kids naturally want to cooperate. Now, I for me personally, I don't believe in punishment. I believe in teaching through natural consequences. You don't study for a test, you get a bad grade, that's your natural consequence, right? right. So, um, and Gabor Mate says this in his book, he doesn't believe in logical consequences. Those are parent-imposed consequences, and natural consequences are should be the teacher, right? I'm not going to say it's never a good idea to maybe use a logical consequence, okay? It's highly uh, context-dependent. But generally, like, I don't believe, I tell parents this, I don't believe in punishing for, quote-unquote, bad grades, 
right? Because you need to be very careful. If you're punishing for bad grades, you're teaching the child you're not worthy if you get bad grades. You're right. only worthy based on your academic performance in this case. And you never want to suggest to a child or an adult that their worth is tied to anything extrinsic, like grades, degrees, the college they got into, their performance at work, whatever, right? Yeah. Their worth is not tied to their behavior. They are yeah. worthy because they are human beings, period, the end, right? So if your child is doing not doing great in school, it's not instead of punishing for bad grades or grounding or anything like that figure out what is going on is there are you having an issue learning are you having an issue with attention are are they going through something right are they going through something emotionally that's they're having a hard time that's what you have to do and my my recommendation is to is to about school uh, impress upon them. This material is going to help you navigate life. It's helpful for you to know. Don't focus on the grades. Focus on learning the material. If you are having trouble, we will figure something out. Collaborate with them, and you're going to get a much better response than for punishing for bad grades. Because maybe they can't help in the bad grades. For maybe something is going on, and you need to get to the bottom of that instead of you know treating the symptom. Get to the bottom of what's going on. Right. And and I really like that philosophy. And I'm I. I too am a big supporter of natural consequence. Like, you know, if I don't go grocery shopping because I'm busy watching TV, guess what? There's no food in the house. Who's going right. hungry here? Like that, that's the kind of stuff, right? And right. even even younger children can, you know, can learn those kind of consequences. Now, obviously a parent doesn't want to say to the kid, don't go stand at the top of the stairs if it's two-year-old. I mean, right. we're not talking crazy stuff like that. We're talking right. um, safe, effective, Right. positive um, parenting um, steps. Right. And so, it's okay to have rules. Like I want It's okay to have rules. We have some hard and fast rules and they're usually around, like you mentioned, safety, safety. Yeah. or you know, what's appropriate for a, a child a certain age to watch or video games. Right. But you know, stay, it's fine to have those hard and fast rules like, well, I don't want my you know, 12 year old watching R rated movies yet. Fine. I don't want you playing you know, M rated video games or safety issues. We have safety rules. These are for safety, not because I'm an authoritarian. It's right. for your safety and explain why. And those are perfectly fine to have those rules as long as there's a reason. If you don't, my big test for parents, if if you want your kid to do something and the only reason you can come up with is because I want you to do it, that's too controlling. Yeah. If there's a reason for it, that's fine. Right, right. And I think that's a really good guideline, right? So if you're a parent, yeah. if you're making a rule or a, a regulation or a requirement or whatever you call it in your house, can, could you justify this? Could you say, this is right. why, this is why right. I'm asking you to do this? Right. Oh, I like that. That's a really practical tip. What about, uh, Maria, what about parents that have been through, like yourself, a really traumatic childhood? I, some of the, some of my clients who are going through divorces, have been through maybe spent years in a foster care system or maybe um, had absentee parents. You know, we often think of yeah. abuse as, you know, alcoholic or drugs or conflict in the house. But sometimes it's parents that, you know, very affluent families where the parents really didn't, didn't ever parent the kids. So we, how do people, how do people recognize that they need help as opposed to falling into the pattern of just, my kids need to change. Like, what is different about the clients that seek you out than the people that just go to a behavior consultant and say, or a therapist and say, fix my kid? Right. Um, the people that usually seek me out are self-reflective. 
number one. And number two, they have come to the point that they recognize what happened to them was wrong and they are adamant that that will not happen to their child or their children. And so they want to prevent that. And yeah, but that definitely, it's the person who is self-reflective. They know they don't have all the answers. Okay. And they're always thinking, how can I be a better parent? Did I, I did this thing last week. I'm not satisfied with how I interacted or behaved. How could I handle that better for next time? Okay. That's the key. And, and what makes them self-reflective? I'm not really sure. Um, but it's definitely those parents that are self-reflective and that they recognize that, that, you know, what was done to them was harmful. Maybe it was neglectful, as you mentioned, or they were never emotionally validated or they just didn't feel safe. They didn't really have anybody that was present for them, emotionally present for them to help them through tough times. Right. But it's definitely the parents that are, that are self-reflective. Yeah. And, and the willingness to learn that's key. Yeah. And so do you work with clients um, virtually or do they, you meet in person or how does, how does your, how does your training or your course or your coaching happen? Sure. So usually it's virtually because uh, people are usually, you know, not in my direct area. If they are happy to meet in person, but it's usually almost always virtually. Uh, I do one-on-one, one-off coaching sessions. I do have a, a program, like a six to nine week program. Um, that occasionally throughout the year, I'll, I'll reopen to a handful of new clients. It's a one-on-one program. And then I'm working on some on-demand coursework. And I have a lot of free courses and material on my YouTube channel. I have a, a, a really good interactive audience that we ask. Uh, um, we talk about a lot of different things on that on that channel. And that's uh, been really, really good because I've been getting a lot of positive feedback on that that's helpful. So, um, and is, yeah. it, is the channel your name? Is it? Yeah, it's called Positive Parenting with Astrology with Maria Rieger. Okay, right. perfect. So right. we've covered a ton of information here, Maria. We're just and we're at the end of the time. I just said this when I was recording the last one. I cannot believe how fast twenty minutes can go. Like it just like oh, yeah. gone. Um, oh yeah. Unless I'm the one that has to, you know, if I have to stand here and talk on my own, I'm like, holy cow! How can it only be five minutes? <laughs> I think I've been talking for forever. Um, what do you think is the most important or what do you know is the most important thing you want parents to think about when they turn off this podcast and go about their day? Sure. So the main thing I would say is if you are having a rough patch with your kid, if maybe they're transitioning from elementary to middle school or to the teen years, and those are tough transitions, if you are having a tough time, if you feel like they're not listening to you, if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, Maybe they used to do chores and homework without asking, and now you're having a hard time getting them to do that. If they're becoming a little more oppositional, I want instead of kind of um, becoming more authoritarian and more when well, you have to do this and this and this, take a step back and a deep breath, be looser about the rules, okay, and engage them and just spend one-on-one time with them and work on the relationship. Instead of enforcing the rules more, or grounding them or, you know, punishing them or whatever, focus on the relationship, spend pressure free one-on-one time with them. Let's say do something together, just you and me and ask them, is there anything you want to talk about or anything going on with you or anything I can help you with? And they may not want to talk right away, but I promise you the more pressure free one-on-one time you spend with them, the more willing they will be to talk Yeah, because they feel safe. They don't feel pressure. So that's the main thing I would say. I love that. And going, 
I always say going in, going for a ride in the car is the best way. Yes. For some reason, you can talk in a car. Maybe it's because it's not you're not face to face. I don't know what it is, but right. And you're kind of a captive audience too. Yeah. <laughs> both of you. <laughs> true, true. You, neither one of you can get away. Right. Maria, if people want to find out more about what you do, or reach out and talk to you, or find out about your online courses, what's the best way to go about that? Sure. You can email me directly at Maria at lawschoolheretic.com. And I blog at lawschoolheretic.com. And I'm on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, but uh, email is the direct, the best, uh, best way to reach me directly. Yeah. I'll make sure all that information gets in the show notes. So thank, thank you so you. much, Maria. You've give, given, given us all a lot to think about. So thanks. Thank you, Marty. This has been great. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody for listening in to this episode of The D-Shift. I hope, I hope you got some great parenting tips and ideas and strategies. And I look forward to um, having you tune in next week. Thanks for listening and supporting The D-Shift Podcast. If you would like to attend live trainings by our amazing guests and have a chance to ask questions and get answers from our experts, join The D-Shift Crew. For more details and to sign up, Head on over to www.divorcecoachforwomen and click on the podcast page.